ask that we actually really try and concentrate on God. So would it be possible if you're physically able to raise your hands? Do you know what's interesting about this word? And we're going we're gonna to talk about the word for, for the seven words in the original language for praise. One of them is a Y-A-D-A-H, yada. Rick, not bad. It actually means to throw your hands up in the air. Now, when the Bible talks about in Psalms, in, in many verses, it says, praise the Lord, all you nations, all you people for His goodness. It's a picture of like when a person runs over a finish line and in celebrating the motor, they've thrown their hands up in the air. When we raise our hands in the air, it's not about a thing you do in Christi Christianity. What it is, is it's like you can't help but being overwhelmed with God's goodness. Oh my gosh. I rep, I understand, I am getting in this moment the fact that you're so faithful, the fact that you're so good. So what I want us to do is actually stir our own hearts this morning before the Word is brought forth by worshipping God. Jack, if you can begin to sing, I scaled the band back because I don't want it to be driven by them. I want it to be driven by the atmosphere of your heart because uh, uh, God is so good. He's so good. Do you know that no matter what, pandemics go through this world, no matter what viruses are floating around, no matter whether on eBay toilet paper is $100, He's still good. He still cares. He still heals. He still loves. He's still faithful. He'll still provide. He'll still protect. So when I walk through life and I see people panicking, God's still faithful. That's when the word praise is. The, the word praise isn't, we think, yes, thank you, God. But in that moment when it's saying, praise God, all you nations, it's, oh, God. You're so good. It's not just, can we raise our hands so it looks like we're entering in. It's that there's something in my heart that stimulates itself in my body where, oh my gosh, you're so good. So can we begin to sing from our heart? Let's begin to sing, Jack. Let's sing. Oh, Jesus, what can wash away my sin? Stir your heart. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank Him for His blood. Thank Him for His blood.
to block out every distraction except for Jesus. Sing. Right now, He is here inhabiting the praises of His people. The Holy Spirit is here. Sing. He is listening. Father, today we love You, we thank You, we honour You, we praise You, because You're a faithful God. You're a God that bothers to count the hairs on our head because of Your love for us. 
Lord God, because of your love for us, you gave what was most precious, your Son, so that that precious blood would make a way for us to be able to worship you freely, approach you as our Father. We thank you for it, Lord. In a world where there is turmoil, we can carry peace because we have you, Jesus. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Thank you, team. Why don't you take your seats? So this morning, if we put my sermon title slide up, diving deeper, as we know the theme this year is going deeper. Destroying distraction. Who here is a highly distracted person? Give me a wave. You get distracted really easily. Wow, that's nearly everybody in the room. You gather people like yourself, don't you? I've had, I've had a heap of times in my life where I have been so distracted. I remember once walking through uh, Geelong City and I reckon I, I was disappointed with council. There, there was a path that was, that was so wide and I, there was a pole right in the middle. Has anybody been distracted right now by the lights? Oh, I nearly fell. I nearly fell. Distractions. Moving lights. That was perfect, Paige. Well done. So I remember when I was younger, walking along in such a deep conversation, there was a pole that had a no standing sign. I literally was so deep in conversation, was so distracted by the conversation. I walked straight into the pole. Has anybody ever done that? I have been so distracted. I have walked into the pillar of a bridge. You know those big, massive, wide ones that are next to the path, like right in the middle? Distractions can be a killer. This year, in diving deeper, one of the things we're going to need to learn to overcome is the distractions of our life in order that we can pursue God. Every day I wake up, I write lists. That's how I've learned to stay on tasks. I say at the end of every day, what are the outcomes, Father, that I need to commit to in order to feel like I've actually done something today? Now, things change. Not every day do I actually get there. But most days I try. I keep striving to get there. But between me and the outcome of, of fruitfulness and working hard is a whole bunch of distractions. Who here has ever tried to go off social media? How much of a distraction is that constantly in our world? There are distractions everywhere. But I know that if we can destroy distractions, it will lead to a whole new level of fruitfulness in our lives. So this morning, I want to talk about a few. I'm going to dive right into it, seeing what the time is. So I've picked three distractions that I think are common. I'm sure I have more than the average person, but we're going to pick three. The first one, if we look at the slide, and uh, for those of you that want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, we put it on the screen. So if you don't have a Bible, it's always going to be available behind me. And I want to look at the good intentions distraction. 
So we're going to look in Luke chapter 10. Jesus' ministry is, is moving forward. It's, it's in uh, swing. And I love that Jesus is always on to, to meet with somebody else, to have a meal with someone, to, to head to a place to connect with people. And on the journey, he ends up getting invited to a particular person's house for dinner, which we'll share about. But what happens here is it's the good intentions distraction. You know, once a month, my entire Chrisapulli side of the family uh, gets together. Uh, and we're not a huge family. We have 14.5 people currently that gather. Uh, the 0.5, really, it's more like 0 0.7, 0 0.8. My big brother's here with me today, James. Uh, he's about to have a, a baby next month. It's a little boy, no pressure, but I asked it to be named Charles. He hasn't, hasn't said yes yet. But um, in front of my church, bro, it would be helpful, you know, put it in there somewhere. And um, and I'd uh, be greatly appreciated, bro. And um, anyway, we have 14 and a half people that gather. And my family comes over and my mom, who's beautiful and, and highly connected, she calls me every day. My mom loves a bit of my attention. So we get there and we're hosting and I like to cook. We, I cook and I run around and I clean and you offer coffees and you offer tea and then dessert and make sure everybody's eating well and you're running around trying to do the dishes. I can't let them sit. I actually don't like mess. I like to, I like to have it clean, uh, really, because April likes to clean and I want her to relax so I can relax. And um, what happens is we get to the end of hosting everybody. And my mom, as she's leaving, goes, I feel like I haven't seen you. I go, get out of my house. I've been running, I've been cooking, I've been cleaning. But what happens is, is sometimes I'm caught up in the distraction of hosting when the point of my family gathering is that we have time together, that we build relationship with one another. Well, this is actually happening in this scene. In Luke chapter 10, there's two sisters, there's Mary and there's Martha, and Jesus is coming. And one of them's been caught up in the practical. The other one is engaging the moment relationally. One of them has been distracted by good intentions. The other chose what is better. So in Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42, it says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You were worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Isn't this interesting? What started with good intentions didn't get the greatest outcome. Do you want to hear some good intentions for being distracted by good intentions? Praying is good. Fasting is good. But fasting and not praying is good intentions. 
doesn't really get you anywhere. What about reading the Word of God, good intentions, but doing nothing with it to implement it into your life? Good intentions, but distracted by the fact it needs to be applied to your life. What about practically? Buying something for your wife, but paying no attention to what they like? Good intentions. Doesn't get the outcome. So when you look at this situation, I think we've all been there. I can see the frustration of Martha. She's in the kitchen. Can you imagine that she's cleaning away and they're all laughing and she's like, I'm missing out. I'm missing out in here. I'm working so hard and they're all getting the benefits of my work. God, don't you care? I'm serving this workplace every week and no one notices. No one cares. But yet that person's doing nothing. How come they're reaping all the benefits of my hard work? I can see it. We've all been there. But here is a question and and, and my thought that helps you to overcome the good intentions distraction is this. How do you know you're suffering from good intention distraction is when your serving becomes more about you than Jesus. What happened is it started with good intentions. Martha's like, come to my house, let me serve you, Jesus. And at some point along the journey, it became, I'm doing all the work here. Why doesn't Jesus say something to my sister? She should be helping me. Along the journey, what's happened is the serving became about her instead of who she was serving can be good intentions and not the right outcome if you begin to think your serving is about you and not about others. So when you think about that, we are called as followers of Jesus to serve our families, to serve in the house, to serve God. The Bible says whatever you do in Colossians 3, whatever you do, do it as though you're working for God and not man. Good intentions. So how do we overcome this distraction? I think it's a very simple thing. Check your focus. Martha had become focused on herself instead of Jesus. I wonder if there are people in here at the moment that that in life at the moment you're frustrated about something. Uh, You're wondering, when I started this, it was it was different, it felt better, but now I'm frustrated or I'm disappointed or I'm blaming someone else. What has become the object of your focus in that situation as it become yourself? Because as believers, I would say, make your focus Jesus in everything you do so that he can be glorified. So the distraction of good intentions, it's a, it starts off well, but please, can we this year overcome the fact that if we're becoming frustrated, check our focus. Check our focus in order that it is on Jesus. The distraction of misguided devotion. You know, as a young man, I used to go through what my family would call phases. I went through a phase of liking, there was a movie back in the day called The Mighty Ducks. Does anybody remember that? Oh, childhood. Charlie, Charlie. I used to be like, it's me. 
And what happened is I became obsessed with ice hockey. I used to put a bucket in my backyard, in the front yard where there was concrete, and I'd skate around. And, and that was, a, it was all about, I was all about ice hockey, and it was all about that dream, and I, that was my focus. And then what happened is uh, on the journey of life, I got really interested in table tennis. Now, I'm all in. I'm all in. This is, this is who I am as a person to the point that the brand of equipment that I liked, I rem- memorized their whole catalog, like 70 pages of table tennis equipment. You think you had a rough childhood? What the heck was I doing? But what happened is, all of a sudden, there was all this devotion. During the fasting period this year, I decided that I would go off social medias. I would go off things that I felt took away from my devotion to God. And I was actually convicted in comparison when I looked at how much uh, need I had. I kept looking for my phone. I'm just being honest. I kept looking for my phone. Because it was a, a, a scroll became so naturally to me that I was thinking, whoa, is this misguided devotion that... I'm, I'm so attracted and, and, and looking at all of the, these things that were absolutely pointless that I could have been given to God. Now, I'm, not, I'm saying there's balance in our world. There's nothing wrong with those things, but anything that takes the place of God in your heart that is not God, it's idolatry. It's, you're heading down the wrong road. It must be that God is first and foremost. But often... In our society, it could be a friend, it could be a job, it could be an opportunity, uh, it could be a relationship where all of a sudden things are creeping in where the priority is creeping closer to where God should sit alone and nothing should come close. It's almost like this devotion for a period of time is there. You need to recognize this misguided devotion, distraction quickly and quickly get God to where He must always be, never be removed in every area of our life. You see, in Solomon, I want to look at the Scripture. There's an example here that I think there are two things that can help us as a community go, hey, is this becoming misguided? Am I putting too much time into this area where God should sit in order that we stop that happening very, very quickly? In 1 Kings 11, it's on the screen. It says this. Now, I'm reading from a different translation. That's NLT up there. This is God's Word translation because I like it. It says, King Solomon loved many foreign women in addition to Pharaoh's daughter. He loved the Hitty woman and the woman from Moab, Ammon, Eden, and Sidon. They came from the nations about which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, never intermarry with them. They will surely tempt you to follow their gods. But Solomon was obsessed with their love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 wives who were concubines. And in his old age, his wives tempted him to follow other gods. He was no longer committed to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Solomon followed uh, Astarte, the goddess of the Sidons, and Milcom, the disgusting idol of the Amorites. So Solomon did what the Lord considered evil. He did not wholeheartedly follow the Lord as his father David did. 
misguided devotion, I think, how, how do we check that that's the case? I think there's two things. In Scripture, it says he firstly did no longer fully committed to God. Is there something in your world that may not be to this extreme, but that it alters your commitment to God and his purpose for your life, challenges the commitment? The other thing that I find very interesting is as it progresses, it goes to he no longer wholeheartedly serves his God. So the question that I'd ask, is there anything in your life today, I've asked this of myself, that challenges your commitment and wholeheartedness towards God? Remove it. Remove it. He ends up losing his kingship. It's removed from his family. He offends God because he had moved into sin. Now, I am not saying in this room, please don't feel condemned by what I'm saying, but it can easily creep in. What happened is it started with a little bit of disobedience. I'm going to marry someone that's outside of what God has told me to. And then it grew and it progressed and then it affected his commitment and then it affected his wholeheartedness towards God and then it moved into full-blown idolatry. It's a progression because all sin progresses. So cut it off while it's small. Misguided devotion. I ask again, is there something in your world, a, a job, a friendship, a relationship, an opinion, a habit that you feel is beginning to affect your commitment and wholeheartedness towards Jesus? Please give it to him. Repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. A bit's crept in and follow him wholeheartedly. Because as we go deeper this year, I declare that there'll be new fruit there'll be clarity because you will remove distractions. There'll be peace. There'll be faith. There'll be breakthrough as you focus on God. Because for me, I've realized, and a saying that we say a lot in, in our staff capacity is what you say yes to determines really what you're saying no to. Because if I had a lineup here of different colored balls and they were all beautiful, different colors. The one that I would pick effectively, I've said, I've chosen you. So by default, I've said no to every other choice. What you say yes to determines and will define what you say no to. My prayer is that we always say yes to Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will come later, but I want Jesus. First and foremost, I want all my devotion, all my heart to long after him and let him guide me. Now, I know that this is heavier today, but my prayer is that if we can remove distraction from our life, we will go deeper with Jesus. Please don't walk around thinking that we never need to improve. We never need to be challenged. We never need to grow because I know that the Holy Spirit challenges me. And I'm learning two things very quickly I want to share. There is a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is the Holy Spirit. It draws you closer to God. Condemnation brings guilt and makes you think you're not worthy. That's not God. Conviction. Should I be doing this? Because I want to pursue Jesus more. Let that be your heart as you look at what you devote your time to. Amen? Third, I might have Dan. I want you to come up here and we'll go together. The second best distraction. 
I don't just want what's a good idea. I want a God idea. Does everybody agree with that? I want to I pursue God and what he has for me in my life. And I think what will happen as you journey through life faithfully is there will be great opportunities that will come up as you're faithful to God. But great ones aren't always the ones that God has for you. And as I read this scripture during the week, I was, I was actually, I was amazed. I'd never, I'd never looked at this perspective before, but Jesus is traveling. And in Mark chapter 1, 29, 28, it says this. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. They loved Jesus. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wake again. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town was gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. See, the concept is, is that there have been people that were being healed. So more were coming. Demons were being cast out. Jesus was doing great work. He was healing people. He was ministering to people. It was awesome. I would have loved to have been there, be a fly on the wall, see Jesus moving and working. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to a nearby village. So I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So we traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. What had happened is Jesus says, let's go to the next town. That's why I have come. He was doing something very good where he was, but that was not the purpose of God for why he had been there. It was something else. It was good but it was second best. It was amazing. God was moving, but it was second best to the plan and the purpose that God had for His life. Please, my prayer is that we seek what God has for us. Please, let's not be distracted by what is good, but let us pursue what is God in our lives. You know, recently I had a person tell me about somebody linked to our community. This person currently is fighting for his life. He has a brain tumor and um, he's a man of faith. And I inquired as to how he was going. I've been praying and we've been believing. You know what? The man said this. He challenged me to my core. He said, you know that if this wasn't something I wanted, I know that it's 
not what God wanted, but in it I know that He works and I would never trade it for anything. He goes, because this brain tumour and this crisis that it's caused in my family has caused my daughter to come back to Jesus and that's what's best for my family. You see, He had an ability to recognise in His journey that God knew what was best, that God had the best thing, the best purpose for Him. I build my life on the conviction that God's plans are to prosper me and not to harm me for a future and a hope. Can we live a life where we pursue God and His best? to think and ponder about examples of second best versus best. God's best is that you're present in your family, not financially present. God's best is that your community knows you love them rather than your community knows you're perfect because you're not. It comes through a genuine pursuit of Jesus. So can we stand for a moment? So the three distractions and the three challenges that as we reflect on our journey, don't have good intentions, have an intention to serve Jesus. So the first thing I would say this is where is your focus? In whatever you do, make God your focus. He's the one you you serve. And from that, love those and care for those who He tells you to. The second thing is would you reflect in your time with God and honestly ask yourself, am I wrongly putting more time into something else that I should be giving to God? There may be a journey and a process, but please ask that question of yourself. And make it your prayer that you ask God for His best, not your good ideas. Let's close our eyes and invite the band to come. Father, right now I pray for our community. Lord, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would talk to us. uh, If there are things that are getting in the way of our relationship with you, whether it's our attitudes, whether it's something we've allowed into our life, whether it's we're pursuing something that's good, but not what you have for us. Father, would you reveal it? Father, would you help us to make our sole desire you and you alone? funny, I get a picture of multiple, multiple people in this room, you're running and, and, you're, and you're holding like a chain that's attached to a heavy tire and you're running with it, you're running. And all of a sudden, God is revealing to you that you can actually let that go, that distraction, that thing, and you can run more freely. 
believe that there are people here that have been slowed down by distraction and I feel today is the day that God is saying, let it go, let it go. The distraction doesn't control you. The distraction uh, is just something that you can move aside. As we worship God. So I'm gonna ask a question with every eye closed today. And I'd like every eye closed. And once again, I I want you to be comfortable where you're at. So I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm I'm just going to ask you to stick your hand in the air and back down. I want it between you and God. But if you feel today with every eye closed that you've allowed distractions in your life and today you are going to give them to God in order to go deeper with Him this year, what I want you to do is just quickly pop your hand in the air and pop it back down so that I can pray with you. If that's you, go now. One, yep, 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 and down. If it makes you feel any better, if you put your hand in the air, it's good because that was nearly all of us. Me included. So when I begin to sing nothing but the blood of Jesus again, The win about the blood of Jesus is it represents forgiveness and restoration to God. You know what? None of us are perfect. No one's perfect in this room. I don't want anybody to be blinded by perfection in our community. We fasted 21 days in February. I broke it twice. I had a coffee one day. I got desperate because I'm not perfect. But I love Jesus and He loves me. And in Christ, there's no condemnation. His blood has made me clean. So I may have distractions as you do, but you know what I can do every time, every day, is I can present them to Him. And I can say, Father, forgive me. I am determining in my heart right now that there will be a change. Repentance is about change. I am choosing that that distraction that played its role as a distraction will not do that now. I am going to give it to you, Jesus, so that I can pursue you more. So for some of you today, that is that attitude where I've been aggravated about that person. You're going to put the distraction of being aggravated about them aside, realising that you serve Jesus, not them. There are people that go, I've been doing too much of that. I feel the Holy Spirit pulling on my heart. Haven't done a lot about it. But today, Jesus, I recognise it's there. I feel the Holy Spirit prompting me. So I give it to you. Help me. Not to be distracted by that. I want to put you in your rightful place. This is what we're going to do right now as we worship. Could be work, it could be family, could be career, could be Netflix, could be anything. Give your distractions to Jesus. Ambition, that could be a distraction. Give it to Jesus. None of us are perfect. We all have them. But we can all together today ask for forgiveness about it and pursue Jesus because we've been forgiven, amen.